0: nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These are their roles in sustainable weight management. So I scoured the globe of top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat. And enjoy the ride. So welcome back to the Matter Overmind Mind experience. I'm your host, master trainer and weight management expert, Narado Zico-Powell. And today I have for you, Dr. Diane Mueller, founder of the Medicine with Heart Institute. Dr. Mueller is a survivor of mold illness and Lyme disease. She is passionate about helping others restore their health and passion for life. And of course, I have an accurate episode for you, right? Towards the end, she's gonna explain how you can unsubscribe from your illness. Not from an email right? you're gonna, you also, We unsubscribe also from emails all the time. I did a couple today. But you're going to learn how to unsubscribe from your illness. So stick around for that. And with that being said, let's welcome Dr. Diane to the show. Hey, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, I'm good, Zico. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. I'm glad you are here. This is going to be a banging episode. I'm with, so thrilled. And with that being said, tell my audience about yourself.
1: Yeah. So my background is as a naturopathic doctor and a doctor of acupuncturists. And as you mentioned in my bio, I went through a ton of health issues. At one point I was, you know, since we're all talking about personal training and all that, at one point I was almost 50 pounds heavier than where I am now. And I put on all that weight in part because of all of my health issues. I had Lyme disease, mold illness, irritable bowel syndrome. It was practically a, a situation of you name it, I probably had it. And at one point it was so bad from a, from a whole health perspective, it was so bad that my cognitive function was deteriorating. And occasionally I would have these episodes where I would leave my house and I'd be like a block away. And I would literally forget where I lived. I was also breaking down my tissue so badly that I was sometimes having to be carried up and down stairs. So things were really bad. And now I'm functioning in my 40s better than at my 20s. I went for my six mile run this morning in the crazy Colorado heat that we have today. So I would say I've even you know, made a very, very full recovery from this. And now I help other people do the same.
0: You know, I've, someone meant to DM me on my Instagram once because I mentioned this that it is so great when I have when I know an expert or I bring on an expert that not only do you know what you're talking about, but you've experienced it and you've overcome it. Right. And that's what I love about. And also something that relates very well to me, I'm about to be 40 this year and I feel like I'm in my twenties, every test I've ever taken, not chronological because, you know, I can't reverse that at all, but any biological test I've taken fitness or health wise has put me in my twenties. And It's 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 so amazing to be able to do that. And that's why I I package my show as the matter over mind experience. Not saying the mind is not important, but what I'm saying is I wanted to have that experience that I have, and I want to say here and give it to you. This morning I had my fastest run of the my fastest, uh, my fastest mile of the year, right? Um, coming off an injury. And I probably said that so many times on the show, but I'm getting faster and faster and faster, getting stronger and stronger and stronger which is hard for someone at my age unless you're not aging as quickly as everybody else. All right, so there you go. Now, with that being said, I wanna talk about mold illness a little bit. So what is it and how can someone recognize if they have it?
1: It's such an important question, and there's some really key take-home points that we needed to make sure we talk about here. So mold illness in general is the great mimicker of disease. So there's so many different symptoms that can actually be mold illness, so it can be anything from things that mimic arthritis, right? You wake up and your body is stiff. It can be migraines and headaches or depression and anxiety. It can be cognitive decline. Some of my mold illness patients actually have ALS that they've been diagnosed with, and it's actually mold illness, for example. So it's really the great mimicker. So a great time to think about mold illness is if you have a symptom and a series of symptoms, and nobody can figure out exactly what you know is wrong with you. That's a really good kind of red flag that there might be mold illness. Now, what's really important to understand is, you know, your question around what exactly is it? So mold illness essentially is an immunological problem. And it's an immune problem where our immune system due to a genetic anomaly is not able to recognize toxins from mold. So what this means is that anybody with mold illness genetics is in, say, a home environment or a work environment, and there's mold there and they breathe in the toxins and their immune system doesn't see them. So when the immune system doesn't see them and the immune system doesn't remove them and they literally build up inside the body. And one of the key things that I think is super important in this discussion to make sure people are aware of, because so many people will say like, well, it's not mold. I can't have mold illness. I can't have this disease because I work from home and other people at, at home are not sick. So it can't be that. But I really want your listeners to understand that what can happen is because for some people they have the genetics and other people don't, you can actually have one person in a household if there's mold there that is struggling with it and the other members either don't have the genetics or the gene hasn't been turned on. And so it's like there's no mold for those individuals. So just because you're living in a home and some of your members of that of that poem are not sick does not mean you should rule out mold illness as a possibility.
0: Wow. So I have a question that I wasn't planning to ask, but now you explained that. So what role would you say epigenetics or even gut health play in someone who has a genetics for, for mold illness?
1: It's I mean, it's huge because it is a genetic situation. The epigenetic expression is It's essential. So it's like somebody, this also explains, right? Where somebody can be feeling good for a long time just because they have their genes and all of a sudden they're in their 30s or their 40s. And maybe they've even been living in a moldy house for a while, but their gene hasn't been expressing. And then all of a sudden we have something that causes that gene to express. Now, that something that causes that gene can be a wide variety of things. Like two of the things that we see show up in research the most are like one is stress and another is viruses, viral infection. So like, you know, two years of COVID, how many people have had epigenetic expression even because of that, probably a ton. So certainly from a GI perspective as well, there's a lot of infections and overgrowth in in the gut that can actually lead to epigenetic expression. So absolutely, you're totally right on with that question, absolutely something there. And it's even interesting, there's also another link, since you opened up this box here, of small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. So that, for the listeners, in case you guys aren't aware of this, SIBO is its acronym, and it's where we have an overgrowth of our good bacteria that have been dislocated out of the large intestine into the small intestine, make a home. And when we have that happen, we have this overgrowth of those microorganisms, what will actually happen is they release a toxin. And that toxin affects our liver's ability to detox mold. So we have, you know, from your gut question, we have two different components that we can extrapolate out of that question. And the one component is a gut problem could actually cause the epigenetic expression and turn that situation on where now people are subject to experiencing mold illness and secondarily, we can have a situation where this gut imbalance can then subsequently make it so that their liver is actually not able to detox mold because of that toxin that's been secreted from an overgrowth scenario. So it gets pretty messy and, and, and complex.
0: It sounds like it does. And for anyone who's not familiar with SIBO, listen to my interview with Alexandra Ress. We discussed it in detail I want to say end of last year, maybe early this year, but it's, I think this titled SIBO with Alexandra Ress. Going to check that out to learn more about, um, to learn more about it. And for anyone who is not a biology major, um, just let you know about epigenetics. Basically, I'm talking about lifestyle choices and changes that you make. Just <laughs> to kind of help the audience out there. Now, with that being said, let's talk about uh, Lyme disease, right? What is Lyme disease and how is it diagnosed?
1: Yeah, Lyme disease is actually a bacterial infection, so it's classically caused by a bacteria with a very, very fancy medical name. I don't know why we do this in medicine, but for those of you out there that really like the sciencey stuff, it's from a bacteria that is called Borrelia borgdorferi, but what's important and the reason why I'm getting semi-technical on you is just because I want everybody to understand that when we're actually talking about Lyme disease, which is an infection of this bacteria... There's actually infections of other bacteria of other types of Borrelia that aren't classically Lyme disease because we don't put the Borrelia burgdorferi um, title on the bacteria. So it's almost like Borrelia is a type of bacteria that has a lot of different species. One of these types of species causes Lyme disease. All of the other sister species will cause Lyme-like disease. So it's important to recognize that difference because when we're talking about everything we're gonna start talking about, if you go to your doctor and say, okay, well, I'm gonna get tested for Lyme disease, they're gonna test you for this one species that, of bacteria that is specifically associated with Lyme. They're not gonna test you for the other types of sister bacteria that are that cause many of the same symptoms. But again, we just like to sometimes make terminology complicated in medicine, So Lyme disease is classically this one bacteria, and then there's these other bacteria that cause Lyme-like symptoms. So getting tested by somebody that understands the difference of these is a really important thing. And I know we're going to dive into a lot more um, here, but I know this is really technical, so I want to make sure that that seems clear for your audience before I go on.
0: Go ahead. Yes, that's good. So then, so then my question is: Is that with the sister bacteria? would that be the reason why Lyme disease is considered the great um like imitator?
1: It's one of the reasons for sure. I'd say a bigger reason is really comes down to the fact that it can cause so many different symptoms. So, some people it's really interesting. It's like some people if we we're going to categorize and break down Lyme sim- symptomatology into say two categories, we might call one of the categories neurological and one of the categories, muscular. So we have some people that go through, if we're in the muscular category, you might have any wide range of anything related to your muscles. So you might have easy injuries, you might have migrating pain, you might have headaches or migraines, which can sometimes be muscular or sometimes be neurological. So it can be all, you know, that sort of category. And then we have the neurological category where symptoms can be, you know, headaches or migraines. If we categorize them there, it can be things like dysfunction to the neuroendocrine system. So we can get hormonal problems, problems with energy, problems with um, sleep back on the pain side, we can get fibromyalgia. So it's another just kind of like mold. It's another great mimicker because it's very, very widespread in the amount of symptoms that it can create. So it's another example, just like what I said with mold. it like a keynote for thinking about Lyme, like the textbook Lyme symptom is pain that migrates. If you have pain in a shoulder one day, and a knee one day, and a hip another day, that's a pretty textbook thing, but of course people are not like textbooks. And so the other thing to really look out for as somebody that has symptoms really is, hey, there's just I have pain, or I have these, these things that are being diagnosed as chronic, like chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or headaches. And we can't really figure out why. Like that would be another thing to be a kind of red light in your brain to say, "Hmm, maybe I should look for not only Lyme disease, but some of the other Lyme-like causing bacteria.
0: So would these Lyme-like causing bacteria then eventually cause Lyme disease?
1: No, it's a great question. I'm glad you're asking that because I think it's a really important delineation. So basically, They will, we won't, if so, another, another species, for example, is Borrelia miyamotai. So this is an example. So if we have this other species of a very similar bacteria, it can cause almost identical symptoms, but we would not actually call it Lyme disease because we it has to be the bacteria Borrelia burgdorferi in order for it to be Lyme, even though it can cause almost the exact same symptoms. This is what, this is the part that I'm saying just gets so messy.
0: Right. So then looking <laughs> at the symptoms, because now my my wheel in my brain is just kind of turning now. So looking at the uh, let's say you have those Lyme like symptoms. How, what did you do at that point? Um, do you start testing for maybe different um illnesses like IBS or something along those lines?
1: It's actually great to be testing for all of these species. So if you use there's one of my favorite lab companies out there is Vibrant Wellness. And I like Vibrant Wellness for their Lyme test because they will actually look for not just the Lyme bacteria Borrelia burgdorferi, but for all of these other microorganisms that will cause similar symptoms. So that's usually a good starting point for people. Now, that being said, Lyme can actually be a cause of gastrointestinal problems. So like Lyme will actually attack the vagal nerve. The vagal nerve is the nerve that I bet some of your listeners know about that actually regulates our digestion. And so when Lyme actually attacks the vagal nerve, we can actually see problems in our gut. So oftentimes for people, we do need to do gut testing with Lyme disease just to figure out like the uh, one of the other some of the other body parts that have been affected from it. But as far as like, figuring out, okay, what bacteria are actually the fundamental root cause? It's more of using a broad uh, test, like the vibrant wellness test.
0: I see. So you don't just check for Lyme disease and say, okay, you're, you're good now, go about your business. You yes. look at all the bacteria that could be causing different issues as well, which I think is important because I always say that a lot of times we don't have healthcare, we have sick care, right? We, we, we test and if we can't find what we're looking for, we just kind of move people on instead of looking at the full picture and the actual root causes. And that's why I'm glad that there are clinics like yours and experts like you who are actually helping people who need to, and they need it. So so with that being said, I want to talk more about your clinic then. How does your clinic treat Lyme disease and how is it different than most other clinics?
1: So the way we really look at Lyme disease really is body mind. So one of the things that we really feel is important about Lyme is not just killing the microorganisms. So they're bacteria, like I said, so we do want to kill them. That is absolutely important. But there's so much dysfunction and breakdown that has happened to the individual and to their tissues and organs that we really work in a combo, not just of uh, killing, but also of re-building of up. So people at any given time, while we're actually killing the bugs, we're looking at balancing their thyroid, balancing their adrenals, fixing any gut root issues and and on and on and on. So it's really a combo of killing and rebuilding. And that's a unique thing that, that we're doing. And then the other component, we do have a full time mindset coach who basically works with all of our clients and really works on It's not talk therapy, but what it is, it's giving people certain activities that are designed to get their nervous system back into the parasympathetic dominant state. So because when we're sending out signals, when we get our nervous system into parasympathetic dominance, we're actually sending out signals to our body that say heal and repair. So that's another thing is we're just making sure everything we're putting in the body to actually Kill and and build up is matching the underlying neurological signaling that's coming from the brain.
0: I love the fact that you talk about the vagus nerve, and now we're talking about being parasympathetic dominant. That's really huge because I've talked. Most people that I know do are, let's say, quote unquote, sick or unhealthy. Right? They usually live in a sympathetic dominant state, and people, and even people who struggle to lose weight. I've 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 told people before. I said most, if you think about it, most of us start our mornings off in such a sympathetic, basically fight or flight. That's what we're saying. Fight or flight state, right? Yes. So you get up, the alarm goes off. You got to get your kids ready. Had to take a shower, have to go to work. If you live in Orlando, you're yelling in traffic, everybody drives like five miles an hour down the street. You know, you go to work, you got to clock in, you got to do this. You never really get a chance to stop. You're always telling your body you're in danger, right? Instead of Putting your body in that par- in that uh par- parasympathetic state of resting, digesting, and healing. Um, I've had uh experts on the show like Dr. Glenn Livingston who explains his breathing technique, which helps to do that as well. And he also said that when you um, when when you breathe in such a manner, you're biologically telling your body, or you're telling your your biology that you're safe, you're not in danger. Because when you're running from a bear, you don't have time to sit there and meditate. You don't have time to sit there and breathe in for five seconds and breathe out for 11 seconds. You don't have that kind of time. But when you're in a safe space, you're able to and your bodies are, are built and designed to be able to recognize that.
1: Yeah, it's it's exactly right. And breath work is a huge part when we are actually working with people on the parasympathetic, on that rest and digest and heal portion of our nervous system. The breath work is a huge portion of what what our mindset coach actually does because it's so effective and it's so accessible. You know, it's like meditation works too. Meditation's wonderful, and a lot of people really just don't like to meditate. And right. it's a great tool, and I encourage people to do it. And at the same time in my opinion, what's most important is that we're giving something that you resonate with, that you connect with, that's actually going to get you fired up and excited to work on working on your parasympathetic state. And I find that breath work for a lot of people is more accessible to do that than other techniques like meditation. You know, if you love meditation, please meditate. But if you don't, there's other opportunities like this that are available to you. And that's what I think the beautiful thing about breath work is. And one other thing to just mention on what you had said since you did bring up weight that I think is really important is this can be like like weight. If you're having trouble getting weight off, mold and Lyme can both be at the root of it. Now, if you are only if your only symptom is weight loss and you're, just ha- you're stuck and you're having a hard time losing weight and you zero with other symptoms, Probably not going to be mold and lime, but if you ever are, are having a hard time losing weight and you have like that combined with chronic fatigue or that combined with joint pain or that combined with headaches, you want to think about some of these and how this works is that if you have mold or lime, they tend to, for most people, increase an inflammatory marker called NF kappa B. When NF kappa B elevates, the fat cells grow in size and they multiply in number. How horrible is that?
0: And I would assume there will be white adipose tissue and not brown adipose tissue either. So,
1: hundred percent.
0: Which is the white. It's not so we don't want, but we want less white and more brown. That's basically what we're trying to get there. And with that being said, now we're moving up to the question of the day, the hack of the episode. But you know, before we talk about the hack of the episode, I have a gift for you. I want to talk about monolaurin today. Okay, see, monolaurin is derived from lauric acid which is found naturally in coconut oil, and human breast milk. It has been researched for its potential to inactivate certain viruses, bacteria, yeast, and other microbes in vitro, it means in lab, and in vivo, in the body. Research shows that mandolin is many times more effective than just lauric acid at killing viruses and bacteria. This is research from 2019, where a team of scientists fed mice a high-fat diet and they gave some of them menolaurin as a supplement. After 10 weeks, they not only found that the menolaurin prevented visceral fat buildup, which is that ugly fat around our stomachs that we hate, right? But it also aided the balancing of good gut bacteria, increasing the beneficial ones while reducing the harmful bacteria such as E. coli. This rebalancing may be a tool for reducing that ugly. Ugly, visceral fat. So, with that being said, here we go. Go to naturalcurelabs.com. Use code Zika Health, and you can get ten percent off all their monolaurin products. And I will make sure that the website is in the description of the episode, and I'll put the discount code again there for you. And with that being said, we're going back to the hackety episode. Tell us here, Dr. Mueller, how can you? unsubscribe from your illness?
1: So it's such a big, big, big question. And if I were to break it down to one thing, I would say this. Your symptoms are your marker that is something is wrong. And I think so many times because of things like, oh, we have a headache take a, you know, over the counter pain medicine. And we're so used to just like, we have this thing, make it go away. Sometimes we get headaches because we're dehydrated. So sometimes it's, you know, just a day we didn't drink water, it's not a big deal. But if you're having a chronic symptom, what I strongly, 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 strongly advise you to is actually reorient to that symptom and reorient it to it in a way where you're really saying, oh, this is my body actually sending me a message. And whether it's an overcount of the drug or it's a pharmaceutical drug, I'm not saying there's not reasons for drugs. Of course, there's reasons for drugs. They, they help people all the time. But what I am saying, the problem is for people when we're just using drugs to cover up and make the symptom going go away, there's still that underlying root cause. So the number one thing I would say if we're speaking very, very big picture about how to make your your health get better and how to make everything go away it really is in paying attention to your symptoms. So that what is how how I would say broadly if we're you know breaking it down to more kind of like a hack or a simple lifestyle to, tool, one of the biggest broadest things that i think helps as a very broad tool people across the board in almost every every situation, not every, nothing's every, is intermittent fasting. Because intermittent fasting in addition to doing things like helping us balance our blood sugar, helping us sometimes get into ketosis, intermittent fasting increases a cellular autophagy. And that's when we break down old recycled products of our body And we actually take those old damaged things, the damaged parts of our body out, the damaged parts of our cells out, so we can rebuild anew. The analogy that was given to me once with cellular autophagy was like, imagine doing this amazing kitchen remodel. And you put every, you put like countertops in and cabinets in, you got everything perfect, but nobody took out the construction scraps. And so that's what autophagy does. It's like having those construction scraps and your body has done all this work to repair, but you've left the construction scraps from your kitchen remodel in your body. So autophagy is when we're actually taking those, those scraps out, which allows our body to function like it should.
0: That's those two actually, I think are great is, uh, I think the first hack, paying attention to your symptoms is important because we have gotten into society now where especially when we're in that constant fire or flight mode we just want to push through it I have things to do I have things to do and we just push through it right well if you keep pushing through it you're gonna you you might be damaging your health uh, more more than more likely so that's something to think about stop and pay attention if you're having headaches every day like I've talked to people who say it's just normal I, I just have I just have migraines every day that's not normal you should not have headaches once a week, twice a week, almost every day, That that's not good, okay? Um, so stop and really pay attention and maybe seek out an expert that can actually help you if you're having, especially if you're having migraines and then low low energy and brain fog, and there's something going on that shouldn't be happening. And that's when you want to seek out a medical expert. So that in itself, I believe is a hack. The next one, is intermittent fasting, I definitely want to talk about that because I'll t- autophagy is is so huge i interviewed uh the scientist uh, jonathan wolf from zoe and he mentioned that most of us are always in that post-digestive state our body never get a chance to actually repair itself and that is so damaging to our health and this is what's the crazy thing about me what, what, what the crazy thing i should i say i hear there are crazy things about me too but that's for a different episode so what i i see people say well you know I can't wait till eleven o'clock to eat, because right, I'm hungry or you know I need more food. But they will eat at eight o'clock in the morning, and they get so busy they don't eat again until three o'clock in the afternoon. That you, so you just you just reshuffling it. You really think about intermittent fasting. You really just reshuffling what you were doing before. Now the other side to it is, please, 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 I have to put a disclaimer on this. Please be careful intermittent fasting. I personally believe, and I have people who challenge me on this, but every science that I've seen, I counsel um, individuals from Lumen that have over 30,000 people. It's always the same situation. Females and males, their fasting windows are different. I'd never recommend for a female to fast if she's never fasted before more than 12 to 14 hours daily, right? A male, 14 to 16, that's a start. Now, you can push it after. Maybe your metabolism becomes more flexible. Your body gets accustomed to fasting. But don't just say, you know what? I'm going to go into OMAD and just eat once a day. And No, no, please, please. Because going to the extreme with anything that even could be a healthy habit can turn out to be an unhealthy habit for you as well. But putting those two together can really benefit your life and your health. Yeah. And do you I'm have sorry, anything nerv- to that- add? No, say like, do you have anything to add that I haven't asked or you have anything to.
1: Just a couple of comments on that, that I think are, I, I love what you're differentiating between females and males, because I've seen that similarly and females, what I've seen have a, a, a harder time fat adapting, like a harder time, really adapting to being able to burn fat for fuel. And I see this in females that try to go keto for example that you know they try to go keto and all of a sudden their thyroid falls and they crash their thyroid and i've seen that so many times so i really appreciate that delineation because i've definitely seen similarly clinically and then just the other kind of lifestyle tip that if you're having a hard time adapting from an intermittent fasting standpoint if you wake up in the morning and you're hungry You can actually take a tablespoon of coconut oil or a tablespoon of MCT oil, and that will not break your fast for 99% of, of people that, that pure fat like that. So sometimes when you do take that, that oil, sometimes you even want to start with less than that, like a teaspoon, because sometimes starting with a whole tablespoon, especially if you're not fat adapted can hurt the belly and it can cause some digestive issues. So, you know, start with less. But if you're feeling like you wake up and you want to try this and you want to start taking from, you know, some of Zico's advice here from that 12 to 14, if you're a woman or 14 to 16, you're a man, and you want to start pushing that a way to help your, your blood sugar. And if you're hungry is to start playing with adding a little bit of that coconut oil to start extending your fat, but stay within that fasting zone for you as well.
0: I agree 100%. Thank you for that tip. I just want to add to that too, is uh, keeping our blood sugar steady. And now you're kind of getting into my area, so I'm, I'm geeking out now. But <laughs> uh, but, keep it, but keeping our blood sugar steady is also vital. I think when we started drinking these high sugary drinks, or a rule I have for anyone that tries to lose weight, don't eat carbs by itself. Not unless you maybe type 2 diabetic and your blood sugar is dropping or something like that, that's different. But for the general public, you don't want to eat carbs by itself. If you pair your carbs with fat, protein, and fiber, when I say fiber, I say vegetables. Every one of my clients eat vegetables with every single meal and not the same kind of vegetable either. Because I believe that even if you're a quote unquote, a carnivore, I'm more of an omnivore, we need plant foods in our diet, period. And I believe 25 to 30 different plant foods per week. And I can get into how you can get those in. It's not as hard as people may think. But anyway. Um, if you pair your carbs with fat protein and healthy fiber, that can help to slow your blood sugar spike research shows, and I'm not making this up, by up to 80 to 85%. So, but if you eat carbs by itself, there's nothing in the way of that. So what it does, even if it's a complex carb, it's going to pick your blood sugar up a little bit higher than if it, than if it was paired with something else. So if you're struggling to lose weight, one of the things is just think about how you put your meal together. And over time, you'll start to realize or you should start to realize that you become better at burning fat, actually, because your blood sugar is staying more is staying constant and you don't get that crash where you need, you feel that you need that five hour energy or something, which that's a whole different episode in itself. But uh, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Mueller, thank you for being here. This was a banging episode. And do you, how can my audience learn more about you and your work?
1: Yeah, the easiest way, honestly, is to go to drdianemuller.com. That's where you can find out more about my clinical practice. I also have side projects. Uh, I have a business coaching program for people of anybody in the service industry. I do work in my business coaching with female entrepreneurs. So if you just go to drdianemuller.com, you can find that. Um, My business coaching business is called Femme Meets Fortune. And you can find that at femmeetsfortune.com or through the drdianemuller.com website as well. So you'll also find on there a link to my book on Lyme and Mold.
0: Perfect. So with that being said, I'm going to make this, the show notes, on zikahel.com slash, are we ready for it? Femmeetsfortune. Yeah, zikahel.com slash femmeetsfortune. No, I got it wrong. zikahel.com slash femmeetsfortune. Third time is the charm. Those are going to be the show notes and the show notes will be in the description of the episode. And thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Zico. It's been fabulous.
0: Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route Enjoy the ride.